Speaking of uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, I had a listener reach out, Andy, uh, wanted to know what your thoughts on uh, the Flyers calling up Louis Belpedo instead of uh, Adam Ginning or Ronnie Adams. I was so pissed off about that. Like, you know, at least they gave Andre a chance, which is fine. I think he was he was fine, but he obviously has the defensive problems. You know, he had 13 games of North American experience before this year. So, yeah, you know, he's not ready yet. Um, but they did give him a, a somewhat of a fighting chance. It helps that Mark Stahl got hurt. Um, and they were able to uh, actually play him there for a few games. But, like, I'm like, okay, they're going to send him down. And then they call up Victor Mete and Louis Belpedio. And it's like, are you f- fucking kidding me? You lose Mark Stahl. You send down Emil Andre, your 21-year-old prospect, and you call up your two fucking depth veteran nobodies while Ronnie Adder remains down there. And then Tortorella goes as far as to take shots at fucking Adder. I got to pull up the quote of what he said exactly. But, like, are you kidding me? Like, you kept Ginning and Adder down there for why? You know, to call up two nobodies. I, I just... Oh, that one really got on my nerves. I was pretty pretty unhappy when I saw it. I'm trying to find this quote here. Well, while you're looking it up, like, how have they, those guys been playing, Mete and uh, and Belpedo? Because I'm looking on their the stats of Lehigh Valley, and you know, Adderd and Ginning have three points each. Everybody else is either at one or zero. He said. So, uh... They have not played well enough to warrant a call-up. As much as we want the kids all the time, you've got to do your work down there. To me, it's a wake-up call for Ronnie Adderd in particular. Like, Wow, wake-up call. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't think, like, Belpedio's been there. He was there last year as well. He was serving as their top right-handed guy. He played with York and Zimola last year. Um, and he's fine. He just kind of exists. Mete, God, I've never seen, like, Mete is the problem with this team. Like, there's, like... Three dozen defensemen under contract. And we talked about this all fucking summer long, by the way, as well. We have all these defensemen under contract and not enough spots for anybody. And Mete just was out there existing. And the few games that he was playing, I'm just like, why is he here? What, what, like, this is the prime example of, like, they were expecting player X, Y, and Z to get hurt. And Mete is like, you're playing C and D and E, you know, like, way down the fucking depth chart. He just kind of exists. Like, maybe you don't call up Jinning just yet. Because I, I think he's a little bit hit or miss, but like, what are we doing with Ronnie Adderd? Like, this guy's never going to play in the NHL because he's never going to be given a chance. And man, as much as I don't particularly care for Morgan Frost, I do think Tortorella gets these weird, just open biases towards certain players, and Frost is one of them. And Adderd seems to be the other one, where it's just like, what are you taking? Like, what are you doing taking shots at this guy? Adderd's already on the old, older side. He's 24, and that poor son of a bitch already signed for next season. I bet he's regretting that one immediately. But uh, I don't know, man. Like, what? <laughs> what 
Ronnie Adder, especially being a righty and a power play guy, considering how shitty your fucking power play is, you would think they would give him a chance. But, like, it's pretty obvious that they don't see a future there for him. It's like, why even bother pretending he's in the picture? Why bother resigning him in the first? Like, I, I don't even understand why they didn't recall Ronnie Adder. But, yeah, like, I'm not even... You know, Put this on Twitter and people go, oh, well, Andre wasn't that good. It's not about Andre. Like, they gave him a chance. He's not ready. Send him down. I don't care. Why in the fuck did you recall Metti and Balpedio? And bringing them both up, by the way, means that Zamula's on a shortened leash, right? It's only a matter of time before they back out on that guy. Oh, yeah. So, like, I I just, uh, it's so frustrating that you have all of this defensive talent. There's so many young guys on this roster in the AHL right now that you could call up and play in a limited role in Mark Stahl's absence. You know, you could have kept rolling with Andre. You could have called up Ginning. You should have called up Ronnie Adder and given this guy a chance. But just, like, man, why? And, and, And the excuse they gave is that this gives Ginning... Adderd and Andre top minutes in the HL. And to that extent, it does. But, like, I don't, like, the thing with prospect development for me is, like, it's not about cut and dry, put him in the AHL or put him in the NHL. And it's the people that get angry and want Tyson Forrester demoted because he hasn't scored yet. It's like, no, this guy is playing well in the NHL. So let him play in the NHL. You know, he needs to develop at this level. And same goes for Robbie Brink, same goes for Igor Zamula. You know, Zamula needs to develop at the NHL. People get mad. And some guy on Twitter the other day was like, oh, he played shitty against Minnesota, Daniel. Like, yeah, you know what? He didn't have a good game, but he's had good games this season. I have no problem with a rookie defenseman making rookie mistakes because that's what they're meant to do, right? You make the mistakes, you learn from them, you get better. It pisses me off when Travis Sanheim, the 27-year-old, seven-year NHL vet, makes rookie mistakes every night. That shit pisses me off because he should know better by now. But, like, Zamula making those, it's fine. He's going to have his bad games. He's going to have his good games. That's what he's here for. And you have to work through that process. And just, like, Adderd at this point in time needs NHL minutes to develop. It's just That's the part of his career where he's at right now. You can give him more AHL minutes and more responsibilities down there, but ultimately he's at the point where he needs to start transitioning to the NHL, and they're never going to give him that opportunity. And it's never been more clear than right now when Stahl's injured and Ristolainen is injured, and you need that power play guy and that right-handed guy, and they didn't even consider him. You called up fucking Louis Belpedio, some random fucking Chuck Fletcher fucker. You know, they just went, I just, I can't believe the way they handled this guy. So, yeah, I was pretty pissed off about that recall there. And just that Adderd is so far on the outside looking in. He had a good season last year. I thought he developed pretty nicely by the end of the year. You know what? Could he be better this year? Sure. But, I mean, fuck everybody in that Phantoms team has been a disappointment thus far. With the exception of Ali Lexel. That motherfucker is scoring goals like Alex Ovechkin in his prime right now. But everybody else has been relatively disappointing to start the year. And, man, there's something about that Phantom squad that, that feels off. They were, it feel like there's a lot of bad vibes oozing from that team right now. I don't know if it's just a bunch of guys that realize that they don't have futures with the organization and, and aren't playing hard. You know, Allison uh, has been rumored to not be in the best of spirits down there, and I don't, quite frankly, I don't blame him one bit, but Denoyer was an early cut from camp who was supposed to be in consideration this year, and Allison and Jinning and Adder and all these guys, like, at some point, like, if I can sit here and realize that they don't have futures, they have to realize it too. And at what that point, you're stuck in the AHL for another, what are you working for? So, yeah, I realize I'm going on a far longer tangent here than this question, uh, you know, realized. But at the end of the day, like, 
I, I, I <laughs> it has to earn a shot. What does that even mean? Like, what do you, what more do you want from fucking Ronnie Adder to be called up in the first place? You know, like, what does this guy have to do to get that recall and serve? And then he's going to get recalled to the NHL one day and he's going to be put in the press box in favor of Mark Stahl. You know, it's just like, it is so clear that some of these guys are so far on the outside looking in, and it's the people that haven't been given opportunities. That's the one thing with Frost, right? This guy was given every opportunity under the sun and looked like shit for the last five years. Whereas Adder was never even really given that opportunity in the NHL. He played, what, two games in the NHL last year at the end of the year when he got recalled? It's just like, man, if you why even bother having these guys and pretending they're prospects in the future of this team if you have no intention of ever recalling them if when shit goes bad you're going to immediately default to your rando veteran nobodies in Victor Mete and Louis Belpedio? <laughs> yep, it is uh, rather bizarre, I think, at this point. I am willing to, you know, we're... We're still in only, what, late October at this point. So I am willing to give this this decision not the benefit of the doubt, but wait to get super pissed off about it. Um, you know, if they have a game with, like, Sean Walker, Nick Sealer, Louis Belpedio, and Mete in the lineup, when Zamula, Andre, Adderd, and Ginning, and Granz are all healthy and available— I'll start to get really, really annoyed. And we're getting close to that. Yeah. But um, if we make it into, you know, if this goes on for another couple of weeks, whatever. If if a guy like Ronnie Adderd starts to get the call up, you know, I don't know, in December, that sort of time. And Andre maybe comes back around then. And, you know, some of these other guys like Mete and Belpedio were shuffled back down. I'll be okay with that. But if we start to see this long term for extended stretches, we start to get into the meat of the season. At that point, I mean, I'm going to flip a gasket because this is going to be like Dave Haxtell 2.0 again. Yep. Um, Related to the same sort of idea. It's important that, you know, the coaching staff, you know, the management team, both in Lehigh Valley and at in Philadelphia are kind of on the same page. Are you both getting a vibe that like, you know, John Tortorella was saying, you know, Wade Allison needs to work, you know, harder and smarter and be more consistent and he needs to work on his game and he gets sent down. And then you see, you know, Lappy basically Tore this guy, a new one. Right. So, it's one of two things either, you know, Wade Allison really isn't pulling his weight or it's Lappy and torts are like completely in lockstep. And then you look at the goaltending carousel uh, and, and having three goalies with the big club and, you know, the, the phantoms are, are, you know, treading water uh, with their goaltending, you know, Alan McCauley got his job because Danny Breer put him there. Yeah. Is he, is he willing to speak up and tell Danny Breer, like, listen, it's don't take offense, but I need a goaltender here. Like it's not a confrontational thing, but I need a goaltender, you know, is Lappy going to actually speak up and say how he really feels, or is he kind of just towing the company line, which is the John Tortorella line? right now right which we, we've talked about like I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the difference between the lehigh valley phantoms and the philadelphia flyers because right now i'm seeing the coaches of both mimicking and parroting the exact same things 
and I'm seeing like the exact same, you know, inaction uh, from the general managers of both teams as well, where they're not really looking to help each other. It's just, you know, this is what it is and you're going to deal with it. Yes, sir. Yes. I'm nodding my head. Yes. Whatever you say, because you gave me the job. Yes. I will not say anything Mm. against you. Yes. It's John Tortorella's world and we're just living in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's ultimately it. And I also think there's problems because we have an extremely inexperienced front office uh, with rookies in every position of consequence from owner on down, except for head coach. um, I I think there could be problems with how the AHL affiliate is integrating with the big club, how things are being communicated, um, how decisions are being made or not being made. Um, And that could be one of the problems here. Um, You know, that's probably just, of a consequence you can expect when you have a setup like this, when you have a guy like John Tortorella, who everybody is just bending over backwards for, and whatever John says, um, and we don't want to question him and, you know, he's going to control who's on the roster and he's going to control who comes up and who goes down. I mean, the one thing about the call-ups is, you know, I don't think John Tortorella is watching any of these guys in the AHL. I think that they're just, I don't even know if Briere is all that much. They're just asking Ian LaPerriere, most likely maybe Macaulay to some extent. Okay. Who's playing, playing well, who's not. And then based upon what you say, we'll bring those guys up. So in this situation, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, Lappy saying, Oh, well, these guys are playing uh, better than the others. So I'm going to recommend that you take them instead of the younger guys. I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, maybe you say, okay, fine, but we're doing it for two games. And after that, we're going to have the young guys come up because we're not going to give guys like Belpedio significant playing time. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Manny, who's in the room making that call? Who's 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 overseeing all of that? And what sort of parameters are going to be enforced by the general manager or even the president in this case? I don't know. I don't know if, you know, Breer is watching the games on <clears throat> TV or not, but. I don't think he's been in Lehigh yet this season. I don't think I've seen a report that he was you know, actually there physically in the building yet. So I assume it's, you know, LaPerrier getting the call from Torts and who's playing well down there? I don't want Ronnie Adder. Give me somebody else. And, you know, they call up Belpedio and, and Mete and, you know, they, they get to send down Andre, call up two washed up vets and keep the rest of the prospects in Lehigh at the same time. That's a John Tortorella wet dream right there. You know, you get to avoid playing the kids and get two washed up nobodies to play for you. And, uh, I don't know, man. I, uh, maybe this will work itself out at some point in the season, but once Mark Stahl comes back, I mean, he's going to be back in the lineup every single night. You're not even going to have the bodies out there. Risto's going to come back sooner or later, even though he's dealing with this weird mystery injury. You know, once those two are back, there's going to be no room for Adderd or or Ginning in the first place. So, I don't know. Well, I think the... The key is once once the NHL team starts getting their ass kicked, then what? Then it's like, okay, well, you had all these fucking idiot veterans on defense and and you're on like, you know, a 10 game pointless streak or something. Uh, Now, what are you going to do about that Tortorella? You know, like you can't support these veterans anymore because they stink. So you need to just concede that the team isn't going to be very good. You're not going to accumulate points and bring up some of these other guys. Again, I think if this happens, if we get to December and we're having this conversation, I'm going to blow a gasket right now. I'm at least willing to accept it for a very short period of time. I disagree with it. I think it's nonsense, 
but I can at least back off to some extent. Are they going to get an opportunity like this again before December to call up these guys and give them a chance? The only time that's going to happen is if they come to their senses with Belpedio and Mete, right? And send them both down and call up Ginning and, uh, and Nattered. Otherwise, it's just, you know, Stahl's going to come back and it's going to be whatever and Risto's going to come back and all the spots are going to be accounted for again. This yeah, was, that's this, the thing. This, this was their opportunity back, yeah. to mm-hmm. at least give Adder. I mean, fuck, what, a, a few weeks of ice time? You know, Stahl's not going to be out that long. Risto probably isn't going to be out that long. You know, they'll be back sooner rather than later. These aren't, you know, long-term season-ending injuries. You know, this was their opportunity to at least entice Adder with a few games rather than the opportunity to take a pot shot at him, you know, that he's never going to see mm-hmm. NHL ice time again. You know, I just, I hear that, well, this guy needs to work harder. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Yeah, what the fuck does that even mean? I hear yeah. shit like that. And I'm just like, yeah, in some forms, it's like, okay, you know, you want to rise to the occasion, the tough love kind of thing. And other times it comes off as like, yeah, you're never coming up. Like, you know, you're being used as an example of failure instead of, you know, ever being given an opportunity to prove that you can hang. And I don't know. <laughs> I think you can give I these guys some clear direction because... They've had, and this is one thing that Keith mentioned too, as soon as he became president, was they've just been a failure when it comes to actually developing guys that they're drafting and bringing them up through their system to succeed with the Flyers. And I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Not many people do. uh, But if you're going to have these guys in the AHL and you're sending them down, you got to give them one very clear instructions on what they need to be doing and not working harder. That makes no fucking sense. <laughs> um, you know, what does that even mean? Yeah. They don't know what that means. Good I mean, point. they're like fucking in their early 20s. You know, they can barely pay their electric bill. So you have to give them very, very clear instructions on what to do and then help them along the way. Put them in a position to succeed, to meet those goals and to actually graduate back up to the Flyers. Because I'm so sick of this team just to, you know, just playing, I'm sending them back and forth and the guys just kind of swimming in circles, you know, so to speak, um, with the phantoms and then coming back up and failing again and going back down and just constantly that circle of death right there. And I would imagine that Keith Jones is going to change that. And I haven't seen anything to suggest that there's changes. I'd like to know what changes are going on because right now it just seems like, yeah, like it's, it's status quo. Okay. It's a veteran coach calling the shots here. What are these guys working on? What do they have to do to get back up here? And when's it going to happen? Um, but you know, this was, this has been the one singular thing this organization has failed at miserably, including drafting the wrong players. But this development problem has been an issue since the early Hextall days and before that. And Jones has to solve that in some way, shape or form. And right now, you know, it's still too early to tell, but you know, that's an issue that this front office really made a point of talking about when they came in. It's just the overuse of the veterans in the first place. Mark Stahl, what the fuck is this guy doing here? What is Victor Mete doing here? Why are they here above your prospects in the first place when Ginning and Adderd and Andre are all on the verge of being NHL ready? Even if it's no more than just tagging in for every few games. Play Andre five games, send him down, call up Ginning, send him down, call up Adderd. Like, you could at least play hot potato with some of these guys like they did towards the end of last season and give them all a little bit of playing time and kind of see if they have any NHL potential in future, and if one of them sticks and you ride with them, rather than having, you know, Valpedio, Mete, uh, Stahl, you know, all these random fucking dudes that are just taking priority away from them in the first place. You're not developing anybody that way. 
<sighs> I just I just find it interesting that you mentioned Keith Jones's comments, Mike. Keith Jones has also been on the record during interviews where he says, I want to build this thing from the back end out. Well, you're not building Mark through Victor Mete and Louis Belpedio. Like you're you're just not. Those those are AHL guys. Like it's it's great if you want to reward them and give them a couple of starts here and there in the NHL as a reward or as a carrot. Cool. But if you're going to be bringing them up for stints of injury, like with Ristolainen and with Mark Stahl, and those are the guys that you're bringing up instead of the young players that really need the experience, I I don't know what you're building. like that. And that's the thing. Like I, I want to believe what he's saying, mm-hmm. but there's a disconnect between, you know, the lip service when they pucker their lips and they say their, their plans and what they want to do and then when you actually see their actions and what it is like, like, do you guys honestly believe that they thought that they were going to be top of the Metro at this point in the season? Like they announced a rebuild. You wouldn't do that if you legit thought that this team wasn't going to be that good, even though Coots and Atkinson were coming back. They yes, did announce the rebuild, but then in the preseason, Danny Breer comes out and starts talking about how many games they're going to win and that they were going to win every night and be competitive. Like, I don't think they thought they were going to be this good, but I think they had an inkling that they this was not going to be your classic San Jose, Chicago Blackhawks rebuilding team. Sure. Mm-hmm. The mixed messages, man, just throughout, just continue to to annoy me. Uh, is You're rebuilding and fucking John Bucciaraz on these fucking ESPN Plus shows. It's like, oh man, they're rebuilding and they're going to sell all these guys at the deadline and this and that. I'm like, they're not. It's just so dumb. They're not. They're not rebuilding. They're not doing that. They're not going to sell these guys, which is a whole different topic we'll touch upon at some point tonight. But like, I, I just the continued mixed messages of of this front office and uh, this defense and building from the back end and calling up these random nobodies on blue like it's just it's another another aspect of that you know I I I don't know what their end game is here I don't know what more perfect of an opportunity they want from Ronnie Adderd. You know, what's the point do you call him up? This would have been the perfect time to have him up for a week or two before one of these guys comes back from injury and send him down. But nope, he's he's down in the AHL and uh, probably will be for the rest of the season at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to see a whole lot until the team starts losing a bunch. At that point, I think we will start to figure out how they're going to Are they actually going to start losing a bunch, though? Like God, I hope <laughs> there's there's the ebbs and flows of the seasons. They're not going to win every single game, but if they keep up this work ethic, this level they've been at this season, yeah, they're going to lose some games like they did in Vegas. But they're going to put up a hell of a fight going down. You know, I I don't know if you're going to see the wheels fall off. This team, I think, is too good to ever see that happen. And granted, we've seen a lot better teams than this fall apart over the last few years for the, you know, for the Flyers. But, like, I don't know, man. I, I don't get the sense, you know, as if they continue this 82-game playoff style, if they do not give up on the John Tortorella, uh, Tortorella mentality, I don't know if you're going to see the wheels fall off, if this is a team that's actually going to rack up 10 straight losses again. Like, I, I don't know if that's kind of in the cards this year for them. Yeah, you know, see, I mean, there's going to have to be stretches. Maybe it's not 10-game losing streaks, but where they're, you know, 
they win one, lose, lose three, and then they get a point in OT. Win one, lose three point, you know, that sort of, that sort of thing. So they start to, you know, slide down the standings a good bit. Um, but I think this team is going to be middle of the pack. I mean, I think that's probably where they're going to stay at. I think they're going to be somewhere between the, they're probably not a playoff team, but they might flirt with it just a little bit as we get into, you know, February and March. Um, now, I don't know where that gets you. Uh, nowhere. Basically That's nowhere. problem. <laughs> like, but. I've projected from the beginning. I My, my prediction has been, mathematically speaking, they are going to be closer to the second wild card spot than they will the bottom five. And that seems to be, at this point, where they're going to settle in. I don't think they make the playoffs. I, I think there's too many teams that are significantly better than them in the East that I don't think is going to happen. But... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish within 10 points of a wild card spot. And, you know, that opens oh, yeah. up a whole different fucking can of worms, which is what do you do after this season? If they stay at this high level and you have a much better season than anticipated and your draft position is completely and utterly fucked, you're drafting like 12th or 13th or something like that, mm-hmm. what do you do now? Do you like if they have a good season? Do they actually go into the summer and look to build on this and add outside talent? Mm-hmm. Do they pursue William Nylander in free agency? That feels like a no, and that brings no the point back to the rebuild of if they have this good of a season, do they trade Travis Konechny and get assets for him? That also feels like a no. So. <laughs> you know, like their version of rebuild is we want to have all the benefits of a rebuild and get all of the okay, there's no expectations, all that sort of stuff. You know, give us time, give us patience, but they don't want to have to go through the pain of losing you all don't want to the lose game. and they don't want to get better either. They just want to hang in this weird little yeah. middle of the road and shit. And they think they can do it without top tier draft picks or or they think we already have our stars in Gautier and Mitchkoff. We don't need anybody else. We'll just use the coaching and genius of John Tortorella to make our team a hardworking team, and we'll sprinkle in. And the last two ingredients we'll need will be Gautier and Mitchkoff in a couple of years, and those will be our top two players. And th- like that'll carry us. Like that's ass backwards to me, and it ain't gonna happen. But so far, that seems to be what their plan is. And then those two will never play in the NHL to begin with. They've been in the AHL for three years because they got to work harder. <laughs> yeah, lap lap. You'll give him a little bit of that grooming that he's doing down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally I get what you're saying, Mike and and Dan. It's because this is what we alluded to when we recorded our our season. Um, what season? Not season preview. Our uh, our inaugural show for the season, which was in a way, I mean, listen, the wins are great and everything and it's fun. And I'm starting to feel, you know, a little bit like I really want to watch hockey again, but at the same time, it's putting going to put pressure on the front office to really commit and make a decision. See right now they're in this wishy washy. Well, if we lose, it's a rebuild. But if we win and we push for a playoff spot, well, Briere and Jones are, are amazing and they're geniuses at everything that they do. That's fine. And you can, you can, you know, live with that, you know, public relations, uh, communications, um, you know, spin that they've been doing and they're going to do that. But then if they win, there's a consequence, which is, so what are you going to do now to improve the roster? Yeah. Because, 
Adderd and all these other guys that are locked in uh, Lehigh Valley prison uh, down there are not going to be able to <laughs> make the jump necessarily because they're not going to be ready because they don't have enough reps and enough minutes to do so. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. They're not going to go, as Dan, you alluded to, they're not going to go out and, and you know, blow the wallet on uh, William Nylander or, or somebody like that, even though they probably should. But I don't know about William Nylander. I think a back-end talent probably a little bit more. But are they – they're not going to be drafting high. So no. they're going to get, yes, two first-round picks. But they're going to be in the mushy middle of the draft. So are you going to sell guys? I've seen a lot of people on Twitter this week and it was raising my blood pressure <laughs> because it was, well, it's pretty obvious that you can't trade Travis connect. Yeah. I've seen a Travis connect. is a guy that you build around <laughs> like guys. Travis connect. is a good player. He's not fucking Connor Bedard. He's not Matt V. Mitchkov. He's not, you know, Nathan McKinnon. Okay. He's Travis Konechny. He's good. He's even better. But he's not great. <laughs> he's not like an elite player. Okay. So, again, the organization is going to be in a position where they're going to have to make a decision on a guy like that. They're going to have to make a decision on Morgan Frost. They're going to have to make a decision on Carter Hart and imagine the egg on the front office's face. If you go out and you trade a guy like Carter Hart and then your goaltender can't stop a fucking beach ball next year. And then this team goes right back to where the fuck it was supposed to be. Yep. And we're back to the one, one in or close and then out and then in and then out. And we haven't learned a goddamn thing. So they are going to have to be forced to make real decisions, real tough calls. Are they going to have the balls to trade any of these guys? Hell no. See, and that's the problem. So, so where is this? Where is the next step? If they take a step this year, it's great, and everybody's going to be cheering and saying these guys are amazing. We love it. The Flyers are amazing. We're on the road. We're back. We're back to respectability. But then, where do you go from there? If you don't trade guys, if you don't draft guys, and if you don't sign guys, where is it going to go? And if a guy like Carter Hart, if he goes, like he's been pretty pivotal yeah. to this franchise so far in seven or eight games so far. Konechny too. No, I'm not going to debate that as well, but you got to make a real decision. The, the decisions last year were easy. Pro yeah, the veterans that didn't have a few. Mm-hmm. Right. Provorov wanted out, so they traded him. Kevin Hayes was a dick, and Torts hated him, so they traded him. Everybody else. Oh, oh, sorry, and Tony D'Angelo, who was benched for you know consecutive multiple games at the end of the season because something happened between him and Torts. And then he's gone. Those are easy decisions. The tough decisions are when there's a player that, oh, we like this guy, but if we trade him, we can do X and Y. 
but it's easier to just say, no, 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 no. we're going to, we're going to just keep what we have. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like this is the hard part. Now, once, once you start getting rid of cutting the fat, now it's going to be like, okay, which guy's really now, like now it's, now it's the bachelor, but there's only like, you know, four roses left. And it's a tougher call now. You got rid of the, you know, the the one that's cross-eyed and the one with the unibrow, and you got rid of the one with the fucking gimp leg. Yeah, you got rid of all those ones. That's good. That was a no-brainer. Now you've got like, oh, this one's a this one's a heart surgeon, and uh, her family's really good, and you know she's really hot, and she already she already made out with me in the the private room or whatever over there in the in the, in the show and you know, yeah you're watching lots of bachelor yeah 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 a little a little a little bit of the extra stuff you know a little little bit of hand, hand party back uh, back there a little bit of frosty but, tips uh, yeah <laughs> frosty tips frosty tips such a classic move yeah yeah so like what do you do then when it's a big player like a heart a konechny or guys like that, will you actually step up and pull the trigger and trade them? Or are you just going to run it back as always? And that's the thing. They're going to have to. You know, we talked about this last time we sat down, which is their messaging has been so that no matter what happens this season, they can say, we told you so, right? They were rebuilding. So if they end up losing, hey, it was a rebuild. That's what happened. And when Danny Breer came out during the preseason and talked about winning all these games, if they end up succeeding more than they expected, they can go, see, it's all we're winning, you know? But so no matter what happens, you're kind of playing with house money this year. But if they just more or less run it back next season, you know, maybe you swap out a couple of the defensemen. Maybe our cutter Gautier is here and takes Frost spot or something like that. You know, one or two of these guys get swapped out. But this team, as the whole, Konechny's still here, Atkinson's still here, Couturier, the defense, it's all relatively the same. You don't make any serious additions or subtractions. You know, is that going to fly again? Just kind of running it back and being a team that's decent but going to miss the playoffs. And again, this is when we start talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. And what Tortorella did to that team. And how yep. you were the workhorse team that may or may not make the playoffs, but you played hard, but you didn't have any high-end talent. And, you know, it just seems like you're more and more there. Like, I don't believe for a second they trade Konechny or Lawton this summer. But I also don't believe for a second they sign Noah Hannafin in free agency. Or William Nylander or Steven Stamkos or whoever's still available out there. You know, it's just like I, both ends of those spectrums seem so wildly un, 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 unlikely that I, I don't know what they end up doing. And, you know, I just it doesn't have to be multiple pieces. It doesn't have to be a big like when we talk about buying, you know, even potentially at the trade deadline, people just assume, oh, well, they're going to trade three first round picks for a rental. that They're going to lose in two months. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, the New Jersey Devils signed Dougie Hamilton in 2021, long before they were ready to compete, but he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL, and he helped build that blue line into success. They brought in uh, uh, Timo Meyer last year. That guy, you know, did they win a cup last year? No, but he was young and in his prime, and now he's under contract for the rest of time, and he's there to succeed. That's the kind of shit the Flyers need to be doing next summer. You know, you don't have to throw your money at 35-year-old Steven Stamkos or whatever he is. It doesn't have to be crazy like that or give up three draft picks for Johnny Gaudreau at 30. Well, whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. you got to go out and you got to find these pieces that you can add to this team. Fuck John Tortorella. I don't give a shit what he thinks about this. You need talent here. You need high-end talent throughout. 
throughout this lineup. You know, the goal scorers are, are, are what missing at forward. You got a lot of Robins and no Batman up there to seriously produce. Your defense is a fucking disaster. No more Mark Stalls, no more Victor Mettes and Louis Balpedios. You need someone like Noah Hannafin on this team to make this happen. Prefer- preferably a uh, top righty, actually. I don't know if Hannafin's a righty or not. Let me look that up. But, like, you know, that's the kind of shit that you're going to need here. And at this point, if you get rid of Hart, you're going to need to spend this money on a backup goaltender, too. So, I don't know what they do here, but you got to commit. And if you're not going to add, then you need to sell. Get rid of connecting and add some assets. Add another prospect or two or a top pick, whatever you want. Like, pick a fucking direction here. We've been using that phrase for years and years and years now, and it still feels like, even though the on-ice product is better, it still feels like there's no clearer path forward when you get to the offseason when it's going to happen when it comes to buying or selling. I wonder what young player, and I agree, at some point in the development of a rebuild, you need to be making decisions on certain young players and getting value for them through other teams. You look at, you know, the Blackhawks have done that. Almost every rebuilding team has in some way, shape or form reshuffled some of the young guys that they have and either traded them away for another young player or uh, for draft picks, or there's some sort of, of, um, of, of shuffling that goes on with it. And this team, like we'd mentioned, hasn't done any of that so far. They've kept every single young guy that they have um, and are holding on to those players for dear life. The guys that departed were Provorov and Hayes, who, you know, for reasons with the head coach, they got shipped out of here and they were veterans anyway. But, you know, what young players does this team have that they can flip? Um, And, yeah, I think that Travis Konechny is a guy that comes to mind. I think he has a lot of value. I think Carter Hart's the same way. Um, I don't I don't see this team doing anything with TK. He's you know, the leading goal scorer right now, probably the best player on the team. Um, and I would be shocked if this team does anything, even in the off season with him. I think, I think they're going to bleed him out through this year. He's going to be the new has, Claude Giroux. They're just going to yep. keep him because they like him so much. They're never going to build around with him. And then in five years from now, they're going to go, oh shit, it's, we're going to sell him for pennies exactly on the dollar right because we were never good enough to compete when he was here. Yep. You know, yep. they're good. You can win with Connect Me if you put your pedal to the metal right now. If you wait three more years before ever saying, okay, it's go time, you're not going to be able to win with him because he's going to be in his fucking 30s. You know, you got to make this decision sooner or later. If you want to win with Connect Me, take steps to win with Connect Me right now. Add some talent. Try and become a playoff team next season. But if that's not the case, if you're scared or John Tortorello, you know, doesn't want to do it, then get rid of the fucking guy. Because I just, you got to do something. The problem is he's a UFA something. in two years, too. So, you know, hey, you're going to lose him. $11 million so, coming his way. Yeah, I mean, either you're just going to give him, you know, the freaking, like you said, the Claude Giroux treatment, an 8 by 8 point something, NMC out the ass, you yeah. know, all that stuff. And if you're going to do that, I think it's fucking ridiculous for a rebuilding team next year to do that. Absolutely fucking absurd. Unless it's like a Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl type player, which he's not. And I think the front office should know that. Um, but they got to make a decision on him. And and you have to get that. You have to figure out a way. What is your team going to look like in a couple of years from now? And you got to do everything possible to make sure that you're hitting that goal a couple of years from now. And, and 
if you think that you know Travis Konechny is one of your top line players and you need him into his 30s, I think that's fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous idea. Um, yeah, it, it's great to see what he's doing now. You know, he's having a good season. He can score some points. He's a great complimentary player on a good team, um, but he's not your centerpiece. You know, like you mentioned, Dan, he's not your Batman on a team. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with it because I don't think that they have the fortitude to trade a guy like that and bring back value. No, nope. I would be surprised. If I would this be stunned if they trade like connecting. That, this that takes some balls to yeah. do something like that. Yeah. And that, and that would indicate that you have an idea on where you're going to be in the next couple of years and all this. Oh, well, the players will decide where we're at. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I can't stand that. It's like, no, you decide you're the general manager you need to figure out where the fuck you're going to be in three years from now, what players you want and how you think you're going to get there. And don't just, oh, we'll just go wherever the wind takes us. You know, that sort of mentality. I cannot stand in front office. And, uh, you know, these guys are rookies up there, like we have mentioned. And I am uncomfortable giving them the leash here and saying, you know, do whatever you want with it, because I think they're just going to take the path of least resistance a lot of times, which is not making the trades, not making difficult decisions, just drafting wherever they do and hope to God that the players that they pick at, you know, 11, 12, 16 in the draft are going to magically turn into first line players over the next couple of years. Um, it's going to be a problem. And, and you got to be able to transition these guys out of here and figure out where you want to be as a front office in a couple of years from now and not let the players decide that. No, the general manager decides it. 